Welcome to Run Your Mouth. I'm your host, David Melly. This week, we had an awesome conversation with Erica Kemp, the Boston-based NC State grad, who's crushed the U.S. road running scene in the last few years and is running her debut marathon in Boston this April. Erica is coming off a half-marathon personal best of 110.38 in Houston earlier this month, and she's got impressive track credentials to back up her road racing wins, including personal bests of 15.10 in the 5K and 31.35 in the 10K. We talked about Erica's decision to leave the BAA after four years and enter 2023 unsponsored, what it's been like to train through the holidays and coach herself, the secrets to her success in the roads, and the impact she's had on the sport through social media and telling her own story. We also covered her longstanding relationship with NC State coach Lori Hennis, her unique perspective on representation, and what she's watching on TV these days. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to subscribe if you don't already. Leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram for more, and make sure to support all of the other awesome shows in the Sidious Network. We really appreciate all the support, and enjoy the show. This mic working it's awesome good to not just like record for 25 minutes and then be like is anything on <laughs> um well awesome well welcome to run your mouth long run talk for long talking runners uh i'm here sitting on my couch in my living room in my first in-person episode in so long with uh fellow bostonian uh erica kemp welcome it's great to be here on this beautiful, cloudy, snowy day in Boston. Yeah, I was just saying before we started recording, like the vibes are perfect for cozy podcasting because we've got like wine, we're on the couch, it's snowing outside. It's a good like, it's a good vibe to just like ch- talk and chill and get ready for the weekend. Um, speaking of, you just came off, uh, is it your first half or was it just a PB at, at Houston? This it was a PB. PB. I think officially it's my third half. Okay. Yeah, I think officially it's my third half because I ran the 20K, which was just under, and then I jumped up to 25K, (laughs) just like skipped straight over the half, and then I ran two before Houston. All right. So something third to fifth, depending on, you know, how much of a stickler you are. But it was a great race, and uh, obviously it was a pretty fun, exciting day for American women all around. Um, What was that like? Why was that race for you? It was really cool. I mean, it's always nice for me to race in general. That's my favorite part of the entire sport training is fine but I'm not like one of those people who lives to train I train because it makes you better on like competition day and like that's the most fun part and you also get to see so many people you never see so like that's always super cool you never know who's in what shape and who you're gonna end up running with so like when you end up running with Marielle Hall or Jenny Simpson it's just like such an incredible experience because never in my life did I think I'd run anything with Jenny Simpson and she was so nice. Yeah, I was going to say like you were with, between Molly and Jenny. I, I expect, you know, as somebody who came up through the sort of running ranks when they were kind of at their track prime, did you have a little bit of that like, ah, oh, you were on a poster on my wall and now we're on the starting line together? It's definitely super surreal because they're just such big names and you know their entire resume. You've seen them just absolutely destroy the American running scene for so long and now you're towing the line with them. It's I mean, I think I've done better as I've gotten older as far as not being intimidated because you have to remember that you're actually supposed to like run with them, not just like, (laughs) you know, watch them with stars in your eyes as they run by, which still happens. But I mean, Molly blew past me. But (laughs) 
it is super cool and just like definitely motivating because you're like these women are incredible so i if i can be anywhere near them it's going to be a good day it's a good day <laughs> and speaking of you you now you have the olympic trials ticket punched and just got announced a couple weeks ago that you're running boston you're doing your the long-awaited marathon <laughs> debut um what is sort of your goals plans etc for for kind of the next year and a half look like yeah, I'm glad I got that qualifier out of the way. Not that I don't think Boston will go well, but it is nice to just like get that, you know, out of the way as soon as humanly possible. So you can just kind of enjoy the next year of preparation. And then I really just wanted to do Boston because I wanted to get one under my belt before the trials. But at the same time, I've been in Boston for almost five years. I've worked the marathon. I've watched so many people do it. And I think it just feels like the right time to finally try it myself. I, I'm very excited to watch between between <laughs> you and Eliud and then everyone else, those stacked fields. It's going to be super fun. Um, so back to Houston, one of the things I, I sort of joked about the other day, but is uh, I remember from when I ran the Houston half last year, the worst part of that race is having to train through like Christmas and New Year's. Yeah. How, what is that experience like? The window into the professional runner going home for the holidays and having uh, to like be like, I have my hardest workout ever two days after Christmas. Yeah, I think the thing is, I probably, in all honesty, I could have done a much better job <laughs> of like taking care of myself. It's not that I didn't work hard. I did. I had some of my best workouts. I put in some great miles. And thankfully, my boyfriend was in town. So like I wasn't just like out there training alone. Um, so it was great. But it was more so in between. I definitely enjoyed my holidays. Yeah, it's hard. There's, there's a lot like, of travel. There's a lot yeah. of uh, opportunities to drink. <laughs> like, you know, sometimes you stay out a little too late. Yeah. You have that like forced tequila soda. And like, <laughs> did you need it? No. But like, were you happy? Yes. And it is like, I think a lot of people, you know, it's funny, like, Houston is this such like, oh, it's like it's the U.S. half marathon, but it's also like it's January. It's early Nobody January. Nobody's like in a <laughs> like it's a weird time to kind of peak for. Yeah. Like it's certainly um, uh, an interesting like time in the cycle for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's like the you're starting your year. So if you start your year on a high note, that's incredible. It's amazing. If you don't like yeah, nowhere to go to the up. 11 more months. Yeah. <laughs> like the year's not over. Yeah, and obviously the other sort of big change for you this year, um, you were with the Boston Athletic Association for three years, four years? Four years. And different uniform this, this past weekend. Uh, you're moving on from the team. Um, what was sort of the um, calculus going into that decision for you? Yeah, I think part of it definitely was just like me as a person. I'm kind of like a phase person and after a while I just like get this like itch for like change so I like kind of started to feel that which I think is valid because up to this point in my life everything's been in like four to five year chunks you know like middle school high school college and then this like everything's been in like big four-year chunks so I think I just started to get that looming feeling of like do I need a big change and like as that feeling kind of like bubbled up a little more and like the more I thought about it, it just like felt like the right time, especially moving like up to the marathon. It was like if I'm going to make a big change in my career, this just felt like the right time to do it. And it sounds like there's sort of a lot of balls in the air right now, sort yeah. of contract <laughs> coaching wise. Um, were you 
guiding yourself through Houston? What's what's at least like the right now situation? Yeah, as far as through Houston, that was me, which was <laughs> my agent. I mean, everyone's been really great. I still talk to my college coach a lot. Um, granted, she doesn't do like super long stuff, but like if I asked her to, she totally would. She's moral support right now, though. <laughs> um, but I was talking to my agent and I was like, yeah, like I got five weeks till Houston and I don't have a coach right now. He's like, you know what to do. And I was like, do I? But like, okay. So yeah, the last five weeks have just been me just training intuitively, which I've heard people like do before, but usually when you're working with a coach, like they write your training. So it's a lot less intuitive. So it has been like pretty fun just to see like, you know, running how you feel like, oh, like I finally feel recovered from the last workout. So today I'm going to work out or, you know, I haven't done a long run in a few days. So like (laughs) it feels like the right time to do one. So I'm glad I ran well, so I didn't totally like wreck myself, which is great, but it has been an interesting experience. So on a much less serious note, like first time in four years, you get to pick the uniform for the race. Like yeah. how did, how did that <laughs> thought process go? Like what, what, what were you deciding to, to go with swag wise? Yeah, that was wild. Um, cause I really didn't want to like, you don't want to pick something that has like giant logos because you are running like unattached. Um, but you want something comfortable. And it's so funny because so many people, when they run unattached between like sponsors or whatever, they usually go all black. And like, I get it, like, you know, anonymous, like hardcore, (laughs) but that's just like not really like me that it just felt a little like too boring and like too simple. So I was like, I'll wear something with small logos, but like, I want to have some fun. And so I ended up with like a neon yellow top and these like black rainbow floral print shirts or shorts and they were great they were super comfortable which like number one for your uniform needs to be comfortable because you don't want to be like messing with it especially during like a half but when I went to do uniform check the day before the old (laughs) man who checked my uniform was like oh best dressed like you already won and I was like that's all I needed like I got my dub for the weekend the day before the race there you go and and speaking of um you know kind of confidence rebuilding kind of next steps uh, you know, just mentally, I mean, both going into Houston and then obviously sort of looking forward to Boston, um, you know, moving on from the BAA and then running the Boston Marathon, like, is there a little sort of, I guess, like, is it business as usual? Is there a chip on your shoulder? Do you feel like you kind of have like something to prove now that you're kind of taking this next step and betting on yourself? Um, yes and no. No, because I'm not really like a chip on the shoulder person. <laughs> Um, yes. And that like, I do think I can do very well. So like I am out, you know, to like not just set some big goals, but to achieve some big goals. But at the same time, there's no animosity. It's not like, oh, I'm going to make you like, remember me. <laughs> like it's all good there. But I am like very excited just to like, see what I can do. It'll be something different. That's for sure. But I was talking to Kira D'Amato at the 20K championships back in September and you know, just found out she's running Berlin. And I told her, oh, I'm going to Germany as well, like that next weekend just to visit my boyfriend because he lives over there. And she was like, oh, like, just come a week earlier and run Berlin. <laughs> I was like, I'm not ready for a marathon. And she was like, I think you do fine. Yeah. there. So I mean, this time I will do it intentionally <laughs> and have some training. So if Kira thinks I can do well, like, I think I will do well. That's a good person to have in your corner for yeah. sure. And, you know, talking about the 20k champs like one of the things that i found fascinating about um kind of the usatf road circuit over the past couple years is that there are certain athletes that 
um, for whatever reason. It's not that they, you know, perform poorly on the track or like anything like that, but like they seem to really thrive in those road races. And you're definitely someone who kind of comes to mind in that context. What's the secret to like tearing it up at these <laughs> national championships? I think it's just different. I think it has a lot to do with just like you as a person and like what drives you because I as I love the track and I'm definitely not completely done on the track and it is like super fun to get out there and like you know just like rip some quarters or like run a really hard 5k every now and then but it, it's a little boring like for me to do it because you're just running in circles and like when I'm on the track I feel like a goldfish in a bowl if like that's the best way I could describe it when like you're out on the roads you are a shark in the ocean like it is just so much bigger and like the stakes are a little higher I mean there's more money on the roads but you're also facing like world champions like national record holders on like a regular basis and it is like much higher stakes and a lot of big names but at the same time it's just such a it's an ocean <laughs> versus like being in a little fishbowl and I think like that just really helps me a lot more because it just seems like so much more interesting yeah, and I think it, like, mentally, too, I, I know as I've sort of moved up in distances, like, there is something nice, especially in these these weird off distances mm -hmm. that, like, you're not always comparing the same, like, times, courses, distances, week to week, you know, especially in the longer track races, 5K, 10K, it's like, oh, that lap was supposed to be a 70, and it was yeah. a 71, <laughs> and now I'm freaking out, and, like, the roads, it's like... You know, it Anything could be downhill, yeah. like rocky conditions. Like there's so much, there's an ease that comes with, it, I think, knowing that you're not tied as closely to the clock as you yes. potentially would be. Like it's definitely more of just an effort thing. And most of the time on the roads, like, yeah, there's places like Houston where it's like known for being like flat and fast. But most of the time, it's usually just straight up competition. And I just think that's like a lot easier for me mentally, where it's like, I only have one thing to do. I'm not worried about getting to 3k on this pace to run this time for my 5k it's like i just want to finish top three of this race and that's like super simple super fun and where everywhere i've been the crowds have been incredible and it's like there's always something weird there's always someone with a weird sign <laughs> or like some random band playing something that's like not quite appropriate for that moment of the yeah. race, <laughs> but you still like appreciate it I remember at uh, at the Richmond half a couple of years ago, there was I had like a true moment of like wishing I cared less about my race because <laughs> I was at like I was having a really good day and it was like mile 10 mm -hmm. and there were these guys like literally just in their front driveway of their house who had like a water table set up, but it was just beer and it's oh. like beer table and I just like run past like. I'll, I'll come back for the right. cooldown. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, yeah, road races offer that kind of like meeting of the worlds between yes. like people who are here to like have fun and people who are here to like kill it like right. like you can still run super fast like you could win a national title and make a lot of money while someone is doing something like that and yeah. you just get all of it at the same time uh do you have a favorite road race i know it's like picking like among uh many good ones oh, but. Man. i think if i had to pick my favorite right now it would probably have to be the abbott dash to the finish 5k because I've always run super well there and it's the day before the New York City Marathon. So that entire weekend is just so much fun. Yeah, that is a good one. I've run that one once or twice. I can't remember. It's also a surprisingly tough course, though. Yes. Like for anyone who has, doesn't know, isn't familiar with like New York geography or how it works, you basically run like 
flat, then slightly uphill for the first two miles. And then for the last like K, you're in Central Park and it's all like rolling hills. (laughs) And so it's like net uphill and the hills are all in the like most painful part of the 5K. Like it's not it's not an easy course, that's for sure. But I think it suits me well. I think I'm convinced I run better on not flat courses. Flat courses do nothing for me. Well, it sounds like Boston might be a good place to debut. I think it'll be a good match. (laughs) Um, So, and then speaking of Boston, like one of the things that I didn't realize until recently that I I was fascinated to learn, um, my teammate Madison Yerke, who you might know, um, cross paths with, but um, she ran Chicago in the fall and she became, I think it was like only like the 12th or 13th black woman born in the US to break three hours in the marathon. It's a super... Short short race. And, you know, as all sort of, if all goes to plan, like you're going to be pretty close to the top of that list. Like, what does that mean to you in terms of like representing that community on such a, you know, the highest level, the Boston Marathon? It's as intense as it gets. Yeah. I definitely try not to like think about it too much because it just seems like a lot, but it is like absolutely insane to me that there are less than 30 US born black women that have run under three hours because. That's just like not, it doesn't physically make sense because I know there are well over 30 women that could do that right now, today, if they went out and did it. Um, But I think that's just part of like growing diversity in the sport in general and just getting more groups of people into it. And there are a lot of groups like Black Girls Run and like plenty of other people who like, you know, try to make these spaces a little more fun and a little more welcoming and they do a phenomenal job, but all of that stuff just like takes time. But like you said, representation is super important. So like being one of those few in the pro field at Boston Marathon is like very intimidating, but also like super exciting because it's usually a little easier to push yourself when you're running for not just you. And the bigger the stage, the more eyes on you. So that is super exciting. Yeah, and it's funny, like, actually, now that I think about it, that's kind of another big difference between the track and the roads, right? It's like, you're, it's very rare that you would ever do a track race where, like, there would be, like, all levels of participants mm-hmm. at the race. But, like, at a road race, like, anyone could just, like, come up to you on the starting line and be like, good luck out there. Like, yeah. you know, it's a very, there's kind of an equalizing from the sort of making the sport more accessible perspective. And obviously, yeah. there's, still many other like structural barriers that don't make it truly accessible but like it is nice that it's like there's kind of that level of like somebody can see you on the starting line like literally leading the way and be like ah that person's running the same marathon that I'm running like and that you know that sends a message about like who's capable of what and even like you're just in the same space at the same time so I've had people dm me on instagram after a race and like oh great job like I didn't get to like actually say congratulations in person but like I saw you on your warm-up and like it was awesome to see you running and it's like just small things like that where you don't realize or I usually don't realize that like people are watching you and there's nothing more I don't know like gratifying to me than like getting that dm of like you inspire me and like even if it's literally one person you're like okay like I'm not like wasting my time or just like out here just for myself like there is even if it's one or two people like they are watching and like I can't just like quit you know and it's so interesting like the visibility piece in as you said like in in the social media world like I that's something that we like end up talking about a lot on the podcast of just like sort of how you relate 
how you factor in like social to like your literal job as a professional runner. I think of you as kind of like somebody who like has a like pretty good presence, like knows how to, you know, work the Instagram game. Like how do you kind of factor that into like all of the other, you know, day-to-day considerations of like what it means to, to be a pro runner? Yeah. I think like from the very beginning, I've always been like super committed to just being authentic. Um, because that's like the best compliment I've ever had back. Like I want to say I was either junior or senior and I was working our, uh, cross country camp that NC state hosts in Asheville, North Carolina every summer. Um, and we usually do a panel with a lot of the current student athletes and they get to talk to all the high schoolers that are there. And we did one of the panels. It was great. And then afterwards, one of the high school coaches came up to me and was like, I just want to thank you for your time and tell you that I thought you were very authentic, which like at first is like kind of weird because like, <laughs> you know, usually people are like, oh, like you were great. You were like, you know what I mean? Like you were fun. And I was like, oh, like thank you. But like I've never forgotten that compliment because it just like it means that, you know, I communicated exactly what I was feeling and it was received that way which is like all you can really hope especially with like social media and like the kind of monster it's becoming is like you just want like yourself to come through because I think people can tell that and that's just like so important to me I think that's a big piece of the puzzle too is that you know for as much as people sort of gripe that like oh social media is so performative like everything is fake blah 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 it's like at the same time I also think you know, the average person nowadays, like it's a pretty good bullshit detector and you can Mm -hmm. always tell when like someone is not being authentic. Right. And so that is like, whether it's innate, whether it's something like, I know, I know sometimes it's like something you have to like coach yourself into and be like, (laughs) I have to like, oh, this is scary. Like I have to be my authentic self and that's not always easy. And like, and especially, you know, when it's tied to this sort of, you know, obviously like in some ways, track athletes are a smaller scale than you know being in the nba but that right. also can kind of double down as like even more kind of exposing because it's like you're like out there yeah. like you it's like i was saying before it's like you can't run into lebron james at the ymca basketball right. court like someone could just be at a road race and then all of a sudden that's you know a very kind of real connection and so i think part of that's like a great opportunity to like connect with people and yeah. like you know, really in a much more significant way, like show your authentic self, but it's also like definitely a burden as well. No, and I've definitely, it's so funny. I feel like I, maybe like once a week when I realize I haven't posted in like a week or so, I'll like have the thought of like, should I just like, just kind of like stop being me? (laughs) Like, should I just like commit to like posting every day and like sharing all these things? And I'm like, that's just, it's not me. Like, I'm not a like what I eat in a day person. I'm not like, you know, showing like the intimate details of my day. I don't share training numbers only because like those things just aren't me. They're not things that like I find interesting. Like I barely keep a log for myself. So like the idea of like sharing a log yeah. with someone else is hilarious because I'm like, I have nothing to share with you. I don't know what I did yesterday. Yeah. Like I've only been writing stuff down for the last couple of weeks because like I just don't have a code. Yeah, somebody's <laughs> got to be responsible for it now. Like, someone yeah. has to count, I guess. Yeah. And it is funny. Like I, especially, you know, with how much like TikTok and reels are being pushed now, like you see a lot of like pro athletes are like, well, like this is what like the algorithm is like yeah. telling me to do. So I guess I should do it. And like, it is like, 
And when it works, like that's great. It's great. And, like, get the bag. And like, I think like it's also like people. There are some people who are just very naturally yes. suited to like certain formats. Like some people are just great on YouTube, and that's like their vibe. Some yeah. people, it's like you know, a podcast. Like I always say, like one of the like great things about like all the creative people in the sport is like there's a lot of runners out there who aren't like good at telling their own story because that's just like not the kind of person they are yeah and so like having the people that are good at telling stories help them them. (laughs) it's like a (laughs) win-win right like um it's definitely it's definitely a mixed bag for sure um do you so in terms of like how you know you do sort of move through the like day-to-day of like being a professional runner like all of everything that kind of comes with that like do you find that like it it's just like boring sometimes like I think that's one of the most interesting things is that like many of the pros that I've talked to are like you're you're just not doing anything a lot yeah. of the time because that's a great word <laughs> you need to rest like yeah and like it seems almost like ungrateful to be like oh like I'm so bored with like my life when it's like you get to do this like super cool thing and that's like the only thing you have to do every day and you don't even have to do it every day but yeah it's just like it's so monotonous which I think goes back to why I really enjoy the roads because it seems just like a lot it just spices things up a lot more because mm-hmm. running in circles and just like the actual act of running every day is incredibly boring (laughs) like whenever I've done panels or talk to people and they I've been asked several times like oh like what about a runner's high and never had one yeah never in my life I've kind of felt like work (laughs) no idea what people are talking about and they're like oh like do you get bored and like yes absolutely and they're like do you want to like quit like as soon as you start running I'm like every day (laughs) the first mile you're just like why do I do this and then at some point it gets better but it's a very repetitive thing to do so I think spicing it up is so necessary yeah and having like a good team around you good people around you whether that's your literal team or just like your boyfriend the people that are important to you like it's a it's funny so you know you mentioned Lori already um as a as a NC State grad so she recruited you and coached you through like all four years yes five Five. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> there was uh, that one time my fourth year, like I was saying about like phases and like feeling the need for change. My fourth year, I like went into her office and was like, what do you th- what do you think about me doing like a fifth year somewhere else? <laughs> and she was like, why would you do that? And I was like, I-, I don't know. It just seemed like a cool thing to do at the time. And she's like, do you think it's going to get like there's anything better? Like you're so happy. And I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. So I like <laughs> thought about transferring for four seconds. <laughs> Um, I guess that th- that's the natural question then is like, what's the, you know, especially now that you've had kind of a couple of years of like hindsight and maturity and being able to look back, like what's the secret sauce over there? Like what, what is what makes that program so special and unique? Um, I think it's just, it's real. Well, I mean, when I was recruited Geiger and Lori, like, you know, I feel like a lot of coaches and a lot of programs pitch the whole, like, this is a family. We care about you. We want to see you be your best your last years of college. We're not looking for immediate performance. We want you to love. We want you to love the sport. We want you to be your best when you graduate, and we want you to like continue on if that's what you want. And I feel like a lot of people say those things, but as far as like actually living them out, 
like a hundred percent of the time I was there, I felt valued as a person before an athlete, which is huge because it just takes all that pressure off of performing because you're not worried about like, oh, I need to be in top shape and I need to be our number one or I need to like run this time or run that time because you're like, they look at me the same. Whether I was, you know, post-op unable to run, not even like close to competing or I was at the top of my game and breaking a school record, they treated me exactly the same. And I don't think that's the case everywhere. So I think it's a very safe space because you're just not worried about all those things. You're not worried about your coaches turning on you. You're not worried about, you know, your performance affecting how people see you because it's just like a very real place to be and they genuinely care about you. And like that freedom, Mm -hmm. I think, is what allows you to like get the best out of yourself. And I guess looking even a little farther back, like, uh, obviously you landed somewhere that was really successful for you and was really hap- happy for you. What, um, what would you, I guess, advice you would give to like a, a high schooler that's like looking for a college program? What are the, what are the kind of things that like you should think about on a recruiting visit or when you're talking to coaches that like would be, you know, or even like a collegiate athlete looking to go pro. Like, I think it's a lot of the same sort of conversations. Like yeah. what are the things that you look for in a program? Um, I think there's similar things, whether it's looking at a university or looking for something post-collegiately, but the number one I was told and I definitely looked at was choose somewhere you're going to be happy if you can't run, which like everyone's heard before, but I don't think enough like kids especially like take that seriously. It's like what happens if you get hurt for a long period of time? Like if you can't run or like, you know, for hopefully there's no like career ending injuries but like what are you gonna do if that routine is taken away from you if your sports taken away from you what are you gonna do with your life so you need to choose either a school or if you're post-collegiately a town or a city that you're gonna be happy having a life in because that like having that fallback is super protective and super comforting when things go wrong And then because you already love it so much, it makes like the good days that much better. And then number two would definitely just be at least like what I found was like good people. So like obviously like a lot of people usually look at like stats. They're like, oh, I want to run with this person because they're really fast or I want to go to that program because they had this many All-Americans. And like that's great. But look at the individuals like do you get along with those people do they fit your personality do they fit your vibe do you trust them and like that is a little hard to figure out when you're just visiting but if you choose good people you will be successful even if you're you know whether you're the 10th person on their team or you're the top person on their team if you choose somewhere where they have good people that you connect with I think it'll be good yeah, I think that that's like, and, and it's funny because both of those things kind of like tie into the same thing where it's like set yourself up to be like a happy, healthy person yeah. and you'll be like a successful <laughs> athlete. Fine. Like, you know, it's funny. Like, I feel like there's so often like there's like, per, you know, speculation and prognosticating like whenever like someone leaves a program or mm-hmm. transfers or whatever of like, oh, like was it was the coach's fault. Like what was like, you know, what's the thing? And it's like, I, I'm hoping that like there's like kind of more space for people to just be like, I just like, I just wasn't happy. Like, yeah. I just, and that that is a, as legitimate a like, reason that's a as any. Sentence. Yeah. That's like, fine. and that you're, you know, giving yourself the tools, you know, I feel like especially, um, some of the athletes out there, like Kira is a good example of like, you know, I'm sure she was 
uh, you know, I know because I've talked to her about it. Like she was facing like, you know, the expectation once she kind of blew up was like, oh, you're going to join a program. You're going to go like, quote unquote, full pro. And it's mm-hmm. like, no, I have like a great setup here. I have a life. I yeah. am a happy centered person. Like, and that's what got me to this point to begin with. Right. So like, why wouldn't I like keep doing the things that like make me happy and successful versus like uprooting my life on like a big question mark, you know? Yeah. And it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely, I think, easy to like boil down like running to like, is this coach the best coach? Or like, what's the training program? Or like, yeah. like you were saying, the stats of it versus like, uh, like every, you know, athlete I've ever talked to, it's like the, the people that are like set up for true long-term, like happy success are the ones that like are thinking about it holistically and not just focusing in on like one specific you know, uh, I like this brand or I yeah. like this city or like, you know, it, it has to be everything. It can't just be one thing, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, very serious subject. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, going back to, uh, I feel like partially because I'm in my living room and, uh, we've been chaining through the white Lotus this week, but, um, speaking of filling the time between practices, uh, what are you like binging on TV lately? Like what have you been watching movies, TV? Oh, God. What have you been going um, through? Movies right before the holidays, we did see the new Avatar. Oh, okay, it was incredible. Haven't seen it yet. Didn't even notice it was that long. That's very impressive. Yeah, that's one of the main reasons. I mean, I'm it's like three jumping. hours, and I saw a lot of um, what's who's the director? James Cameron. Yes, yeah. and he was like, when people were complaining about how long the movie was, he's like, you can take a bathroom break. Like, it's not going to ruin the movie. <laughs> so, like, I had that in my head going in because I like never want to miss anything. Um, but I did. I missed like two minutes and it didn't ruin anything. You can go back, see you the next time. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, it was absolutely incredible. I loved every second of it. So that was great. I right. would definitely recommend that one. Um, currently, I am binging One Piece, which. Never heard of it. So it's an anime. Okay. Um, ask Caitlin. All right. She would definitely know. I'm pretty <laughs> sure she's tweeted about it. Um, I'm a little late to the game. By a little, I mean like almost 10 years late sure, to the game, yeah. but it does. I just ha- watched the first season of White Lotus yeah. this week, so I'm with you. <laughs> but it has like some crazy number of episodes and I finally caved just to like see what the hype was about because they're also doing like a live rig- animation thing. It's not like they're doing a live action version of it. Um, so I just want to see what it was about. And yeah. so far I'm like thoroughly entertained. It is nice when there's, because I feel like a lot of animes are like that, where it's like, they're like, there are 600 episodes of this. Yes. Like, oh, geez. So, like, I'm not going to run out of anything <laughs> yeah. to watch anytime soon. I, like, just discovered a new podcast, not a running podcast. Uh, like, a, it's about movies. Okay. And, like, I, like, listened to one episode and loved it. And then I looked, and I was like, there's 250 episodes of this. That's, like, like a This dream. is going to feel a lot of, and they're yeah. all, like, almost two hours long. So, I'm like, I perfect flights for the next foreseeable yeah. future. I'll be good. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny how, uh, yeah that works because then the other side like like uh big dairy girls fan i don't know if you've ever watched that i never watched it like it's so it's like perfectly short like i'm glad they didn't like stretch it out and make it longer than it is but it's also sad that it's like it's done it's like three seasons of like six episodes and like that's it yeah (laughs) it's like definitely the the blessing and the curse for sure did you ever watch ozark no okay I'm pretty sure it's like I heard over. it was good. It was yeah. very, very good. Um, I'm very upset with the ending. 
Okay. Because it didn't feel like the ending. And Interesting. we were under the impression that that was a series finale, which is just like so disappointing. It was like how I felt at the end of like Lost. Oh, we were sure. like Cla- the classic. That, that was yeah. it. Like I spent all this time getting this invested for that to just be the yeah. end of it. It's always tough. It's hard to land. Speaking of Lost, uh, like <laughs> as a big Star Wars fan, like yeah. the last Star Wars episode nine was like deeply disappointing from that perspective as well. <laughs> and like, it's always, it's always tough. And then it like, it does make you appreciate when like something really good is like finite. Like as much as you're like, I want twice as much of it. You're like, I'm yeah. glad this ended before it got bad. Yes. <laughs> like that is definitely something to be appreciative of. Have you watched any of like the Netflix like dating shows? No, I don't watch much reality TV. I've seen like a couple episodes of like the British Love Island, but like. That's one I really want to watch. But apparently Netflix is doing like a super show where they're taking some of the the craziest contestants from all the different dating shows and putting them into one. (laughs) So I don't know what's happening at Netflix right now, but it's going to get messy. I don't think uh, like. I've never, like, I don't watch The Bachelor. Like, honestly, the only dating show I might have watched is, like, literally when we were in, like, middle school, maybe. <laughs> we got briefly obsessed with Flavor of Love. Do you remember that show? Do I remember that? Yeah. <laughs> they don't make TV like that anymore. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a, it's a whole other level. Like, Tiffany Pollard yes. is an icon. She and, really is. Uh, for better or worse, probably for worse. <laughs> like, but it's okay. Yeah. That, like, it is funny. Yeah. I feel like it i'm not like a big reality show guy i only i speaking of netflix i like nailed it if you've ever watched those oh, shows. of course oh yeah great it's so good i can't they should put people from nailed it on the super dating show that would honestly um, be the most wholesome thing ever because they're always like they're ex- always great people extremely nice but terrible. incompetent yeah. people <laughs> yeah <laughs> i would like, watch that yeah which is always like the thing with like don't they say like the like Anytime they get like a sane person to be the bachelor, it's like a boring season yes. because you're like, oh, you're just making rational, mature decisions. Right. No one like, wants to see this? that. <laughs> uh, yeah, that would be uh, uh, one of my. I'll talk about this on the podcast. This isn't really that bad. <laughs> one of my high school teammates is going to be on a uh, real gay dating reality show called For the Love of Dilfs. Mm. <laughs> Which Specific? sounds like a 30 Rock parody show turned yes. into real life. So, like, we might have to watch that one just to see how It, like, almost sounds goes. like an SNL skit. It literally, the, the trailer seems like it could be, you're like, this could be a parody, but it's, like, a real thing. That's incredible. So, I'm looking forward slash I'm terrified. A little bit of both. But. I hope he does well. Yeah. Is there a winner? Yes, there okay. is a winner. Um, I don't understand how the competition works, right. but we'll figure it we'll out. We'll have to watch and find out. Um, All right. Uh, speaking of uh, watching things and being into things on online, um, we wrap up every episode by asking our guests the same three questions. Okay. The first one is your Instagram crush. What you're feeling. What you're into on Instagram, TikTok, doesn't have to be like specific to a platform or a person that you're just like crushing on. Like I just discovered because I don't really follow tennis, but like apparently Andy Murray is hilarious. Oh, Um, that's he's very funny. And I didn't know that because I don't like really follow tennis, but like he's my Instagram crush this week. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't have I don't think anyone on Instagram, but someone that like sticks out that I'm like obsessed with following right now. 
is Keith Lee on TikTok. I don't know who this is. Oh my god, he was an MMA fighter, um, and now he does like food reviews. He's in Vegas, okay. and mm-hmm. he is literally just like the most wholesome human being on the planet. <laughs> like he started TikTok. As an ex MMA fighter, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, so he started doing TikTok to like work on his social anxiety because he was really like bad in interviews so he was like if i like make videos of myself talking like maybe i'll like get more comfortable and get better at speaking so he started doing like little like food reviews like in his house in his like little daughter's like paw patrol chair and they just like absolutely blew up and now he has like a cult following he has like over eight million followers and when keith like goes somewhere and like he loves going to small businesses and like helping them so like he'll go and he'll be like oh like i'm gonna rate this food one through ten and then he does and the next day these people are making tens of thousands of dollars in sales and like literally three days ago he went to this random food truck on his way home and said the food was absolutely incredible but it's like this one man by himself doesn't have any social media other than like his instagram doesn't he only takes like cash and like cash app so Keith like reviewed his food, like told everybody where he was, like had a 20 minute conversation with this man and was like, this dude's like awesome. Keith's followers donated $30,000 to this man oh my God. <laughs> in like 16 hours and like changed his life, like helped him say, out. He's probably got lines around the block for the like, food truck now. Like, <laughs> And that's just like what he does. He's just like literally the nicest dude. Just awesome like helping out. TikTok like content. I love yeah. it. Yeah. It's great um that is everyone it's like using social media for good using social media for good like pot you know that's the theme of the podcast apparently yeah. <laughs> um and then uh next up is your go-to karaoke song as we sit here holding our mics someone oh. hands you the mic it's your time to shine what are you singing oh man um if i'm in a room of strangers and i would go something safe i would definitely do like anything in sync okay, i'd sure. like absolutely crush but I don't know. I'm pretty good at karaoke. I would do okay. just about anything. What's uh? What's like the cur- like the curveball? Like you're in a safe space. You're with your friends. You're like, I'm gonna bust this one out. Like, what's the? Oh, um. Honestly, I feel like my voice isn't like low, but I was like a soprano in like high school, middle school. I am not a soprano anymore. I cannot get any of those notes. So anything like on the lower end, I prefer singing like, you know, punk rock mostly sure, sung by yeah. men and i think it just sounds really great <laughs> fair enough that's uh, like some some like blink 182 oh, yeah. like that's the, absolutely bring the house down uh what's like the like if someone is like you got the whole insane catalog like what are you what are you going for probably it's gonna be me it's gonna okay that's a solid one yeah, yeah. i was thinking for whatever reason tearing up my heart i was oh like, that's that a, a good one, one but too. that's yeah. like if you have a buddy yeah that's true if you're doing yeah. like a duo or more that's a good one yeah that's very true. Uh, and last but not least, speaking of food reviews, um, your death row meal, you're going to the chair, you get one meal, anything you want, any, as much food as you want, whatever you're eating, what's on the menu? That's a great question. Um, that's pretty tough because I, I change my favorite food like every week. Yeah, it could be like today. Like they scheduled your execution for 6 p.m. If like, it's 6 p.m. Yeah. today, definitely like a bottle of red wine. Sure. We're already, you know, yeah, we're glasses. We're <laughs> um, I would probably have to go with um any like cheesy pasta dish and like crispy chicken. And then 
I don't know. It's funny because I always feel like I need something green just to like not feel horrible. But it's like if yeah, I'm dying, do I need yeah. it? <laughs> but like I do, I genuinely enjoy. It. I don't know. Probably like some fruit. I like. I really enjoy like mango with like chili and lime. A ripe mango, so good. That's a good call. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent choices all around. Thank you. <laughs> um, well, awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This is a great conversation. The vibes are immaculate. Um, <laughs> very excited to see what uh, what all the many next steps are uh, on the horizon for you. It's going to be going to be an I. exciting year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, thanks again, and uh, until next time, this has been Run Your Mouth. Yeah.